James Harrison announced on social media that he has acquired a custom-made AK-47. This is what the Constitution means by a well-regulated militia. The fire still burns. The angst still rages. Andrew, Andrew McCutcheon is still a San Francisco giant. And the Steelers are still deleted. We're going to have Buster Olney of ESPN at 3.30 to talk about what's going on with the Pirates. The Pirates are fairly boasting about the return for Kutch and especially what they got for Cole. Neil Huntington says they got three, count them three, three top 100 prospects for Cole. Okay, well, we will see how that turns out. The problem is, and it's going to happen again with Jay Hay, when you trade a guy with a big ticket, the other team is doing you a favor by taking on the big ticket, so you're not going to get much in return. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. This is the Mark Madden Show. We live by the motto, loose lips eat chips. The big news is, Todd Haley has been deleted. Haley's contract has expired, and the Steelers will let him walk. Mike Tomlin and the organization made that official in a statement made last hour. Todd Haley is no longer the Steelers' offensive coordinator. Uh, This is not a surprise by any means, given the strained relationship between Ben and Haley. And make no mistake, this change is all about that relationship. The offense got results under Todd Haley. The Steelers just scored 42 points in a playoff game against the best defense in football. Ben stayed healthy under Haley. But Haley never helped the Steelers to a Super Bowl, and Ben doesn't like Haley. The communication deteriorated. Uh, The battle of Tequila Cowboy didn't help Haley's cause, nor did his wife's antics. The Steelers have to clean up at least some of that. It can't be total chaos, and you can't have chaos caused by the coaching staff, the alleged adults, although, by way of contradiction, the report is the Steelers will retain their entire defensive staff, and that includes linebackers coach Joey Porter, best known for creating disturbances at high school football games, not having the guts to confront James Harrison, when he falls asleep during Porter's position meeting and acting like he's still a player. My guess is that Randy Fickner becomes offensive coordinator, the quarterback's coach. That's what Chris Mortensen is saying. You just run the same offense with Ben and Fickner on the same page. It would make zero sense to bring in an outsider and start over for the last couple years of Ben's career. So I'd say Fickner, although Mike Munchak today turned down a second interview with Arizona for their head coaching job, so perhaps he's a candidate for the OC position here in Pittsburgh. I'm also hearing Kirby Wilson, the running backs coach, is going to get an interview. But to be blunt, that's because he's a black guy. Rooney rule and all that. 
I want your comments on Haley being deleted. 412-333-WXDX. That's 412-333-WXDX. The Bucko media is already stooging in passive-aggressive fashion, uh, as in saying, you don't have to go if you don't want, but I'm going to go. I love baseball. It's fun. And you're hearing, well, they just can't spend that kind of money. But uh, of course they can. I I am the only truth for baseball in this time, and I always have been. Go to the Mark Madden page at the X website. I got a blog up with a list of truths about the Pirates, about nutting, about the organization, about their philosophy that simply cannot be denied. I will say, it's tough to interview Neil Huntington when you work for the flagship. Huntington said yesterday on the flagship, we are not rebuilding, we are still contending. The follow-up question to that should have been, what kind of jackass are you? I mean, that statement is begging to be ridiculed, but it wasn't. And Huntington said he talked to Harrison, but he never said if Harrison was staying or going, and there wasn't a follow-up question demanding clarification, but it's tough to interview Neil Huntington, the, the Bucko GM, when every single word that tumbles out of his mouth is absolute horse manure. I'd love to interview Neil Huntington or Bob Nutting. That offer has been made, and it stands, and it would be delightful. Yes. Uh, There's a petition signed by thousands of fans calling for the Pirates to be sold. Wow, thousands. Impressive. This really is the me and now generation. You can wipe your backside with that petition, just like the limited partners in Steeler Ownership could wipe their backside with all their money. Mike Tomlin will not be fired, and the Pirates won't be sold. I laugh when people think they count. It's hilarious. I get your frustration, and I do believe team owners are merely caretakers and should do right by the town. But we need an amendment to the Constitution to guarantee that. The next time the Pirates make you absolutely crazy, Actually, there'll be plenty of times between uh, now and then. But in three years, PNC Park turns 20. It's going to need renovation. Bob Nutting will want your tax dollars to pay for those renovations. I guarantee that. I guarantee it. Uh, But in terms of fans making demands, for that matter, Rich white men, the limited partners, those old bastards making demands. Uh, I get tired of calls. They got to fire Tomlin. We haven't been to a Super Bowl in seven years. Oh, my God, seven years. It's a crime against humanity. Listen here, slap nuts. In those seven years, 24 other teams also haven't been to a Super Bowl. It's tough to get to a Super Bowl. You got six here in Pittsburgh, including two relatively recently. What makes you think you're the chosen people? 
And I also get tired of calls, Cuban should buy the Pirates, or Mario, or Thomas Tull. Yo, you can't buy something that's not for sale. The Pirates are not for sale. You can't force a sale. Nothing ain't Jerry Richardson. He's going to milk that cash cow until the udders fall off. Uh, I was listening again to the Tomlin press conference, and he just said, crap. But when Tomlin said that Mike Mitchell barking at Jacksonville's locker room was irrelevant, now, now see, that is exactly what I mean about enabling a culture of chaos. You can read my column at the Trib website to get in-depth about that. Tomlin should have said that what Mitchell did was unacceptable. Instead, Tomlin said it was irrelevant. If we're just tuning in, Todd Haley uh, will not have his contract renewed as Steelers defensive coordinator. Chris Mortensen says that Randy Fickner, the quarterback's coach, will succeed Haley is offensive coordinator. No confirmation on that yet, but that seems to me to be a very logical move. One thing that the new offensive coordinator must do, whoever he may be, we got to get clarification on the status of the quarterback sneak with the Steelers. Is it in the playbook? Is there an audible? Like sands through the hourglass, so go the days of our lives. We have a thrilling show, absolutely thrilling today. Buster Olney from ESPN will join me at 3.30 to talk about the state of the Pirates and where does it go from here. Where do we go? Where do we go? Where do we go now? Uh, 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 uh. Uh, at 4.15, we're going to talk hockey with Mike Rupp. At 5 o'clock, we'll talk about Haley taking a hike with Dejan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. And then at 5.30, it's the Hockey Night Show. Because the Penguins play at Anaheim very late tonight, but I'll be up watching, and so will you. Then tomorrow, we got Peter King, the Monday morning quarterback from SI.com. So one thing about this Haley dismissal, I would be the first to agree that if you're a football writer, not from Pittsburgh, like an at-large NFL writer, or a guy who covers another team, you won't understand this dismissal. Because they just scored 42 points against the number one defense in the league. Ben has had banner years statistically under Haley. And Haley and his scheme have kept Ben healthy. But if you watch the team and hear the whispers and even look at the sidelines, you know these two guys don't get along. There's a communication breakdown. It feels like they're having a nervous breakdown. And it will drive them insane and would have got worse. That's the point. The communication problems would have only got worse. So if you're looking at this from a perspective outside Pittsburgh, you think it makes zero sense. If you're looking at it here in Pittsburgh, things kind of add up. As far as them getting all those points against Jacksonville Sunday, you got to give Haley credit for that. He's the guy in charge. Not sure Haley 
coached A.B. to make those catches. Or Martavis Bryant to make that catch. I think that's a lot of talent on those plays anyway, and Haley just happened to be the coordinator. 412-333-9939. We want your Haley calls. Line them up, and we'll talk more about Todd Haley. Boy, he loses the battle at Tequila Cowboy, loses to Jacksonville, and now loses his job. You're having a bad week. 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Yada, 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 yada. You know what, Mark? I got a hard time, and I was wondering if you'd give me some advice. Do you have any idea how dumb that sounds? The X at 105.9. If you're just tuning in, Todd Haley is out as Steelers' offensive coordinator. Uh, his contract will not be renewed. That's been made official by the Steelers and by Mike Tomlin. Uh, Todd Haley looked like a homeless guy, and his wife caused problems. That said, he kept Ben healthy, and his offense scored a lot of points. Ben had huge numbers under Haley, uh, just monstrous. But Haley never got the Steelers to a Super Bowl, and at long last, it has to be admitted, Todd Haley never won over Ben Roethlisberger. Ben bought into Haley's offense, but he never bought into Haley the man, and I don't blame Ben. Haley has a crap bedside manner. And he lacked credibility because he never played the game. Yeah, the offense was great. It should have been. Look at Haley's resources, all that talent. But the offense sputtered too frequently in the red zone. Inexplicably puzzling play calls were made too often in crucial situations. But I hate to clutter the conversation about the pros and cons of Haley's offense. This was about Haley versus Ben and there was only ever going to be one winner there. I bet Ben knew Haley was out before Ben announced he would play next year. The offense doesn't need to change, but the guy running it needed to change. Don't forget, Haley ran off a ton of assistance during his tenure. The guy's a jerk, and people just didn't want to work with him. Then again, the last five first-round picks were used on defense. Why does Keith Butler still have a job? Hey, maybe Haley will go to New England and replace Josh McDaniels once McDaniels gets a head coaching job. Let's go to Alex in Washington County. Alex, you're the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Super Genius. How you doing? Great. Uh, two things for you. First, I totally agree on the Haley firing. He needed to go. Ben was never going to buy into him or the way that he coached. Um, well, he bought so, into his scheme and executed his scheme, but I think the relationship was going to deteriorate worse, and they got rid of Haley before it blew up. Exactly. Um, and the second thing with the Pirates, I can understand why everyone's upset, but I don't think complaining about it's going to change anything. The Pirates are going to run how the Pirates want to run it, and that's we just have to live with it as fans. Well, check out my column my blog, rather, today on the Mark Madden page, the X website. It has some truths about the Pirates that can't be denied. And once you recognize and accept those truths, it makes what's happening now with Cole and Cutchin pretty soon with Harrison a lot easier to understand. Let's talk to Carl and Rankin. Carl, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, good afternoon. What up? 
Hey, since Ben won this power struggle and he fails in the next few years, who's going to take the heat then? I don't think Ben's failed necessarily. I think he's had outstanding years. I think after he made a couple mistakes, he had an outstanding game Sunday to get the team back in that contest against Jacksonville. And if they fail in the next couple years, uh, it won't matter who we blame because Ben will retire, and then you'll see how lucky you had it with Ben for all those years. Oh, I want the rapist to retire. Okay, well, great call. Why did you say that right away so we could hang up on you right away? Let's go to Isaac in Highland Park. Isaac, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, I got a comment and a question about the Haley firing. Okay. Um, you sort of touched on this. Um, the thing that I think frustrated a lot of people about Haley and the Steelers' offense in general is being they were placed in situations where it looked like it was simple to succeed and they do something that seemed five steps too complicated. You talked about with the red zone. Well, Mike, Mike Pursuta uh, tweeted about that. Uh, Mike from DVE. He tweeted that the Steelers' offense is capable of doing high-tech stuff but not capable of getting one yard when they need it. Exactly, yeah. And the question is why do those high-tech things where they do them? So that kind of leads me into my next point. I always thought that was a Haley thing, and I still think primarily it is, but after the onside kick and a few questionable decisions, and I'm a big Tomlin supporter, but my question is do you think those those uh, extra plays will continue to happen under a new offensive coordinator, or will we still see that with anyone? I think the offense is going to be just about like it was under Haley, but I think it'll be smoother with Ben and Fickner on the same page. Let's be honest. Ben's the real offensive coordinator right now, and Fickner is just doing the detail work. One thing I'm going to talk about uh, at length with the next couple weeks is, and you won't like it, with this offense, I'm not sure you need Lev Bell. Look how quickly he became irrelevant to the game Sunday once Jacksonville got ahead. And look how ineffective he was on short yardage, and quite often is. One thing about short yardage, that tippy-toe stuff Bell does with we all wet our pants over with glee, it doesn't work in short yardage. I'm not sure the Steelers need Bell. And boy... That $14 million you're supposed to pay him, you could probably get some pretty decent inside linebackers for that money. Up next, we talk Bucko Baseball with Buster Olney of ESPN. You're listening to 1059 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. You live by the ass, you die by the ass. Well, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that subject. Wait a minute, prostitution's illegal? The X at 105.9. Joining me now. He's one of the very best when it comes to baseball media. From ESPN, it's Buster Olney. Uh, Buster, uh, you wrote that fans in Pittsburgh may never forgive the Pirates for trading Kutch, and I agree. You not only lost an iconic player, but got very little return. Yeah, uh, well, and, and on the return, you know, I, I don't know specifically about the players that they got back in return in terms of my eyes on them. I just only go by what I'm hearing from other teams, which is, you know, the package of players they got uh, in the Astros deal for Garrett Cole, they find them to be more about service time, acquiring, you know, guys as opposed to impact-type players. And in uh, McCutcheon, you know, I know from talking with Giants people yesterday, they think Kyle Crick might be really an inter- interesting guy in terms of throwing the eighth inning, you know, good fastball, 
but there wasn't uh, a wipeout-type prospect in return. Uh, you know, that all said, I don't think it's a surprise that they made this decision. I think they were signaling it back in December, and it's in keeping with what we're seeing in baseball, where you're seeing teams uh, that don't feel like they necessarily have a great chance of winning racing toward the pole, the, the South Pole. You're seeing a lot of teams... Uh, you know, essentially determining, look, if we don't feel like we can win, then we're going to tear down and try to uh, position ourselves for a better day, and along the way they save some money. I don't dispute that's what they're doing, and I can't even criticize it, but I just think they slammed shut their own window too early, Buster. They won 98 games in 2015 and immediately starting tearing the team apart. Uh, I'd say that was premature. How about you? You know, and it's interesting because I, I you know, you, I certainly have seen the reaction when I posted that column the other day. I had so many Pirates fans say that, you know what, they didn't add to the team. They didn't augment uh, during the course of the year as opposed to, and I, and I compared the Pirates to the Kansas City Royals, who during the course of the 2015 season, you know, added Ben Zobrist and they added Johnny Cueto and put themselves over the top. You know, I think you can make an argument. I do think that, you know, that they were probably, because they didn't win the World Series, because they didn't get past Madison Baumgartner and Jake Arrieta, they probably didn't uh, get as much credit as they deserve for putting themselves in that position. But that's the frustration level I think I'm, I'm hearing from a lot of fans, is they didn't make those one or two moves in the way that the Royals did. And it's not just the Royals either, is it? I mean, that's what Miami did in the past, what Cleveland does. I mean, at some point a small market team has to try to, like you said, augment, or they're going to disappoint the fans. Well, there's no question we saw the Indians do it in 2016, you know, pay the uh, the 20% surcharge to make the trade for Andrew Miller, who was difference-making in the postseason. And, and what I worry about, uh, and, and, you know, you hope that uh, ownership hasn't miscalculated there for the, for the sake of the franchise, uh, I think a lot of times that teams have to understand you know, the history of the team in a way where they have to be able to properly anticipate what's coming next. For example, we've seen the Miami Marlins this winter. You know, Derek Jeter went in there. He traded away Giancarlo Stanton and Marcel Azuna and others. And I worry that it's the kill shot for baseball in South Florida uh, because this is now the fifth time that we've seen, you know, those that fan base uh, have to walk through uh, a sell-off of the best players. That's what we saw happen in Montreal. Uh, and eventually baseball died there. I don't think that with Pittsburgh it's that dire circumstance, but I do think that there's going to be a, a real anger there uh, in response because I think that team you know, took so long for them to get to the point of what the club accomplished in 2013-2015 through 2015, and I think this year we're going to see exactly where the franchise stands in the eyes of the fans, and if they stop coming, I think that's something that uh, you know ownership – should should consider moving forward. And I, you know, I personally, as I wrote in December, I think given where they were, given the, the unlikely uh, scenario that Andrew would re-sign with the team, uh, that the Pirates would even want to invest in them, I thought it was it, it's something that they should absolutely consider doing, trading them. However, you do wonder if in the end, given the return they got on McCutcheon, if they're going to look back and say, you know what, it would have been better off if we had just kept him, go through the year, and if he walked away, he walked away, that's uh, that's Andrew's prerogative. Yeah, I agree. I think that would have been the thing to do PR-wise, although then you don't uh, save the 14-point, I believe, 7-5 that McCutcheon is going to make this year. But the Royals, getting back to that model, 
when they're free agents, what nobody blamed them. And I don't. I, I, I just think now the way they handled it, I, I do expect attendance to drop considerably. It's already dropped 600k since 2015 here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and that's what I wrote about the other day too. Look, I, I you know, the Royals, those teams that played in the World Series in 2014 uh, and 2015. In both those years, they were in elimination games in which they were down four runs in the eighth inning. And you, can you imagine how differently history would have played out for the Royals if they didn't make it to the World Series? They might be in the same boat that the Pirates are in now, but the difference is because the Royals won the championship and they played the World Series twice. You know, as Eric Hosmer walks away, Mike Moustakis walks away, at the end of the year, the fans are filling the ballpark. They're t- you know, uh, cheering these guys because they know it's the end of an era. It's a completely different field at the end than what the Pirates are experiencing. We're talking to Buster Olney. He covers baseball for ESPN.com. Uh, Buster, uh, what's going to happen now with Josh Harrison, and what return might he bring? He's already said he wants out if the Pirates aren't going to try to win. Yeah, and I wrote yesterday that the expectation among teams that I've spoken with is the Pirates will do what they can to move him. Uh, you know, given his age, given his contract situation, uh, the two uh, team options that uh, that are on the contract for 2019-2020, they think that he's going to move. I will tell you that because of where his salary is now, you know, at, at about $10 million, and I think the options are like at a 10-5 and 11-5, something in that range, uh, other teams are telling me they don't think that they're necessarily going to get a lot in return. That that's kind of uh, you know, given his performance the last couple of years, probably at the tipping point where you know if he was making four or five million, he might get a lot more. But at uh, at that type of salary, they might not get as much as what uh, a casual fan might expect. Well, right, because the return for the Pirates with Harrison and really with McCutcheon yep. is that you don't have to pay him anymore. I mean, the Pirates even picked up what was it two point five million, yeah, of his salary in San Francisco. That's exactly right, uh, and it might be. And I do think that if you're the Pirates now and you're sort of retrenching and trying to add talent, that that's probably the smart way to go, to, to tell a team like the Giants, look, you've got the money, uh, or, you know, you're taking on the bulk of the money, you've got prospects we want, we'll pay some of the money down and we'll get better prospects, and I think that's probably uh, the smart thing to do with Harrison. Because of his versatility, I think he'll have some value in the marketplace, but just not maybe the prospect return that people might expect. How would you characterize what the Pirates are doing, Buster? Because Neil Huntington said yesterday, we are not rebuilding. Well, how would you characterize what they're doing? It's interesting. I I think it's absolutely in keeping with what we're seeing in baseball right now. I had a general manager this morning say, it feels like everyone year to year is racing toward the two poles. You know, (laughs) Uh, they're, they're trying, if they feel like they have a chance to win, Teams are spending money. Uh, you know, last year, for the first time since 1881, I believe, we had four teams with a run differential of 175 or better. Um, and on the other hand, you have a lot of teams that are saying, you know what, if we feel like we don't have a chance to win, we're tearing down. Uh, we're going to you know, try to get as many prospects as we can and load up for another day. And, oh, by the way, because of the, the caps on international spending, because of the caps on uh, the amateur draft, they're not uh, you know, in necessarily in a position where they have to spend. So you're pocketing the money, and a lot of teams are doing this. And uh, so I, I, I do think that because of the, the experience of the guys in their starting rotation, I don't think it's a full-on rebuild. 
I think uh, you know they're in a position where if they get the right players, if they get the right development, they could be back in competition in 2019. But it's also, I mean, let's face it, when you cut your salary down that much, your payroll down that much, you're putting the money um, uh, right back in an ownership's pockets, no question. You ventured that the Pirates might win more games in 2018 than they did last year. And, you know, even though they have traded Cole and Kutch, I can actually see that. I mean, it won't be enough yep. games, and it'll make us wonder what they might have done had they kept Cole and Kutch. But, but what are some of the reasons you could see that happening, Buster? Because of the, polar- the, the uh, uh, polarity of baseball right now, because of what I was talking about, where you have so many teams tanking and not trying to win, and that might you know, be comprised as many as 10 to 12 to 14 teams. They're essentially not trying to compete uh, because the Pirates do have this experienced group of, or, uh, a group of young starters who have more experience than some of the others. Uh, absolutely. Now, they're in a division in which clearly the St. Louis Cardinals are trying to win. To me, they probably have improved more than any other team. Uh, you know, the Cubs are the Cubs at this point. The Reds aren't stripping down. They've already done that, and they're, they're kind of like the Pirates now in that they have a group of young players that are gaining experience. It, it's not as much of an advantage as if, uh, say, you were in the American League Central the Cleveland Indians have a clear path right into the postseason because you've got the Tigers rebuilding, you've got the Royals now rebuilding, uh, you know, you have the White Sox having been stripped down. It's an easy path for the Indians. It's not as easy for the Pirates, but I do think because you have so many bad teams in the National League, the Pirates might actually win, as I mentioned, 75, 76 games. Buster, I understand the business side of small market baseball, but does Pirate ownership understand the emotional side of sports, especially in a city like Pittsburgh, which has had so many iconic athletes? You know, I, I don't want to say they, they don't understand it because I do, I, you know, I know this. They certainly got into the conversation, uh, at least started the conversation, okay, what would it take to re-sign Andrew? Uh, I, I don't think Andrew's tough year in 2016 helped the situation. I think if he had had a great year, um, then maybe it would have made the Pirates more aggressive. But not only did Pittsburgh back off, but other teams did. And we know that by the price that was paid in trade. But as they say, I think that once you get to the end of the winter time um, and you see what the potential return is on Andrew, I wonder if it would have been worth it to them as a franchise to, you know, to pay for the sentimentality, to pay for the romanticism and, and bypass the trade return on Andrew and just keep him. Because um, in the end, I, I can tell you this, folks with other teams don't think they got guys that move the needle. Won't this just happen again and again with the Pirates? I mean, once Marte and Polanco peak and they approach big money, won't they get traded too? You would assume. Uh, and, and I think that is, you know, business uh, running a, a small market team. Look, the Cleveland Indians right now, you know, they made the World Series in 2016, had the 22-game win streak last year, uh, and, you know, very successful. Probably 2018 is the end of their window. You know, Andrew Miller's going to become a free agent. Some of the other guys are, are going to get older, and then they may have to, you know, go back into that cycle right now. There are a lot of small market teams going through that, and I, you know, it doesn't surprise I mean, Kansas City, we talked about, I think that is life in a small market. Buster, as always, great stuff. It's great to connect with you again, and congratulations. Your Vikings uh, are, are <laughs> headed to the Super Bowl, hosting a Super Bowl, I think. I know you're a big Vikings fan. 
huge Vikings fan, and, and I still don't have my voice back. I think I did violence to my vocal cords the moment that Diggs caught the ball the other night, and I'm still recovering and still being made fun of by my 13-year-old son. Well, plays like that don't come along very often, so enjoy it and enjoy the rest of the playoffs as well. Buster, great stuff. We'll talk again soon, I hope. Thanks, Mark. That sounds good. That's Buster Olney. Uh, For my money, the best baseball guy in national media when it comes to the the wordsmith part and the breaking news part, and I think he just shed a whole bunch of light. It sometimes takes. You know what's weird? In this Haley situation, I think the local media has a more realistic look at it than the national media. With the pirate situation, I think it is absolutely reversed. So good stuff from Buster. We got Mike Rupp talking hockey next hour. Breaking news from New England. Tom Brady might not play Sunday. If that happens, boy, what an opportunity the Steelers will have squandered. 105.9 X. Okay, I'm just going to read you what the New England Patriots tweeted and what they said in a statement to the media. Tom Brady is with our medical staff and will not be available to the media today. They didn't say he might not play. They obviously didn't expand on why he's seen the medical staff, but let me read that again. Tom Brady is with our medical staff and will not be available to the media today. Imagine if he doesn't play and the Patriots lose to Jacksonville. What an unbelievable opportunity the Steelers will have squandered. No quarter. Brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Going to be giving away another $1,000 bribe at the top of the hour. If you want money, stay tuned, and I'll tell you how to win. We're talking about uh, Todd Haley not coming back as Steelers offensive coordinator. I think it's the right move. I think that Ben and Haley were going to have a big bust up next year. So why take a risk? You're going to run the same offense if Fickner, the quarterback's coach, if he becomes the offensive coordinator. And by the way, that's what Chris Mortensen says is going to happen. That Randy Fickner will succeed Todd Haley as the Steelers' offensive coordinator. Uh, Peter King is going to join me tomorrow, the Monday morning quarterback. Peter says the Steelers should not fire Mike Tomlin. And I agree. And they're not going to at any rate, as Peter makes very clear as well. It's all about stability for the Steelers. Tomlin has a great winning percentage, and Tomlin has never had a losing season. But at the Monday Morning Quarterback website, Peter King criticized Tomlin for looking ahead to New England and notes rightly that it gave his players carte blanche to do so. King also says the offense has to be more disciplined, and he cited the chaos at the end of the New England game. Uh, Check out Peter's column at SI.com, the Monday morning quarterback page. It's good stuff. 
You keep Tomlin, absolutely, but there are definitely some things that need fixed, so fix them. I think that ditching Haley, it doesn't fix the offense. The offense doesn't need fixed, but I think it sidesteps future disaster. And if it doesn't fix, I think it may refine. I think next year, the first play, the Steelers run from scrimmage should be Ben on the quarterback sneak. I want your thoughts on Haley, 412-333-WXDX. I see where North and South Korea have formed a joint Olympic women's hockey team. So let me see if I got this right. You can enter a pickup team in the Olympics because that's what this women's hockey team from North and South Korea is. It's a pickup team. You're supposed to represent a nation. They're not. It's a pickup team. If that's okay, I got a bunch of guys from Penn Hills and Plum that would also like to enter the women's hockey tournament after first switching genders, which I'm assuming would be okay. We will be coached by Aziz and Zari. Today is the 37th anniversary of the founding of Motley Crue. 1981. The first time Vince Neil, Nikki Six, Tommy Lee, and Mick Mars got together. I was there at the beginning. I saw their first concert in Pittsburgh. I was there at the very end. I saw their last concert in Los Angeles a couple years back. I saw it all, and it was disgusting. Motley just looked and acted cool. You came for the cool, and you stayed for the music. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. In 30 seconds, I'm going to give you a list of pirate truisms. It's a how-to guide on understanding what the pirates do and why they do it. But first, you can win a thousand bucks. If Nutting's listening, he'll try to win. Listen for the keyword, then listen for directions where to text it, and you could win a thousand bucks. It's a thousand dollar bribe from 1059 the X.